Hi, I'm Dr. Kevin Cheng, founder of Asana, a health service dedicated to transforming lives through prevention. Over the years, I have reflected with colleagues on what we wish people did so they can avoid pain, surgery, or developing a chronic disease. Often the answer lies in embracing a proactive mindset and putting healthy lifestyle practices into action. By doing this, the upside is not only better health, but also saving us time, money, and stress in the long run. In this podcast, I'm joined with my friend Saxon Piggott to chat with a new health expert each week. We'll cover practical ways to look after ourselves, how to prevent illness, and ways we can be inspired to live well. Welcome to Prevention Hacks, the weekly conversation where we go to health experts for advice, so you don't have to. So hello, welcome Lou McKellen to Prevention Hacks, which is our podcast. Hello. My host, Saxon. And uh, Lou, an exercise strength coach with us at Asana. Tell me about what you do. Uh, Within Asana, I offer exercise consultations. So what will happen is you'll come and see me, whether you have some kind of niggle or whether you have no niggle, um, you'll come in and I'll perform an assessment. Uh, so I can identify any weaknesses or tightness uh, that might be hindering movement and just make you moving pain-free and trying to establish some kind of regime in the way of daily movement. Great. Um, Maybe we start off by saying about a third of Australians at best meet the nationally recommended guidelines for activity and exercise. How do we get more of us moving and exercising? Yeah, this is a big one. I mean, with I, I, I have clients outside of Osana, just one-on-one training, and one of the first things I try to establish with my clients is allocating uh, five hours a week to some kind of exercise. Now, that actually works out to something like 3% activity a week, which is, you know, you put it in a percentage and it doesn't sound like much, but yet people think five hours of activity, I can't really fathom doing that. Um, But that doesn't necessarily mean the activity has to be really high heart rate, sweating, you know, you know, really intense activity. That can be something like a walk. That can be something like meditation. You know, it doesn't necessarily have to be an activity, just something you've allocated time to do something good for your body and for your mind. So it could be some time spent um, actually educating yourself on a diet or something like that. But I would suggest a goal being try and get to five hours of allocated activity a week. That could be a hobby. You could go for a surf, whatever it may be, Um, and you could start as low as 10 minutes a day. I've done that with clients before. You've got to start slow and build the habits. It's all about um, establishing habits because once you establish habits, they turn into discipline and then things just become automated and discipline will always trump motivation and people tend to lack motivation and time and if the habits are there, the discipline is established, time and motivation don't even even become part of the equation anymore. What what about for people who are having trouble staying motivated who haven't got to that discipline stage yet? Any, Any tips on how to keep going when you really, really don't want to? really don't want to yeah you just got to start really small I had a client in Hong Kong actually he was very overweight I'm talking maybe like 150 kilograms 
And before we actually formally started training, I said to him, I want you to wake up because one of his um, limiting factors was time restraints. Like he had quite a demanding job. And I said, look, you have to prioritize your health. You've got to make the time. So I said, first and foremost, before we formally start training, I want you to wake up every single day at 6 a.m. with the intention to go to the gym and to train. And I said, you know, sometimes you might actually wake up and not actually get to the gym, but wake up, get dressed in your your gym gear, establish that habit of waking up. And then over time, the ease of waking up will become, it will become easier. And then we can move to actually getting to the gym. So I I gave him 30 days to do that. And he made it to the gym. I think he missed out on maybe five days. And of those five days, he still woke up, got dressed, then went back to bed. But um, the biggest thing there that I think is worth noting is he was in like a net positive. I think it's important um, to break up, uh, look at your week over a week and endeavour to, you know, wake up seven times. And if you only wake up four, you're still in a net positive. So you're working, you know, you're working to progress there. So my advice would be just start small, even even if it is something as simple as wake up with the intention to train you know, intend to train, but if you don't, you're establishing that, that waking up habit. So the hardest part of it is the first part, just the first step. Definitely. definitely. Yeah. And then that waking up just becomes easier. And then once upon a time, you'd look back on that and you'd think, how can I possibly get up every morning at 6am? Like I just, the alarm goes off. I want to sleep through it. And then that just becomes so much easier. So your next challenge is actually getting to the gym. So then you go, okay, wake up. Now I actually actually have to get to the gym. Like yeah, that's that. the bit where I fall down. Yeah, that's what you got to do. Wake up, just try and establish tiny, weeny little routines. Even if you don't want to wake up in the morning and time restraints isn't your problem, if you're at work, every lunchtime, 10 minutes, some kind of activity. Just move. Like our body wants to move. I meet a lot of people and they've got low back pain or they've got niggles around the shoulder and the vast majority are just neglecting movement. Like in, in moving, we're promoting blood flow and blood carries nutrients and nutrients fix can, that blood flow and nutrients within the blood can fix those niggles. So we just got to move. Exercise, Lou, is the fixer for so many elements as you talk about it's good for mental health it's good for a range of physical conditions even good for chronic pain mm-hmm. uh, but the constraints are hard when we've got busy lives and we've got a lot of our members who are um, you know juggling multiple things family work are there different times of the day that we should exercise are, are there different ways to break it up to make it easier uh, good question I would say don't get so hung up on you know people are the same with food like um timing of food and timing of exercise try not to get hung up on there being a perfect time to exercise i mean i have trained a doctor i trained a doctor in hong kong and we did this test to try and figure that out like are there times of day which are better for you to train and you know we did come to a conclusion for this particular lady that there was a certain time period within the day that her body was best exposed to exercise. But, you know, she was quite a well-trained, disciplined individual. So I think for most, the general popul- population, don't worry about the timing. Just 
worry about consistency and just where it works in best with your schedule. I mean, I appreciate people with kids. My sister has kids. You know, time is definitely something, you know, they don't have a lot of. So even incorporating um, your daily activity with your kids. You know, I always try to encourage my sister to take um, my nephew out just for 20 minutes and kick the soccer ball around. Like that's, you're doing kind of hitting two birds, one stone there. You're entertaining your kid and you're also getting getting that exercise in. What about um, apps? We live in a digital world. Are there any apps out there that are any good that you recommend? Do they add anything? Well, yeah, good question. I'm terrible in the way of what uh, knowing what apps um, are available. I do, however, do I work for a gentleman named Andrew Papp. And I deliver um, weekly educational videos for his his application. So his app is called Three Six Five Program, and it's uh, the Three Six Five is suggesting similar to what I was saying before. Every single day of the year, he's not saying train every single day of the year, but he's saying do something good for yourself three hundred and sixty five days a year. So whether that be a training session, whether that be sitting down and meditating, just do something every day that, you know, feeds, feeds your mind and feeds your body well. So his is one that is very, I think it's something, it could be as low as $10 a month and that gives you access to training, that gives you access to um, mindset, which is a big one, trying to establish that routine and discipline and habit um, and you get access to my uh, weekly educational videos as well. So is, is it necessary to, I guess, have a program, have a personal trainer, but if you have limited means at home, especially if we're locked down with COVID outbreaks and so forth, are there ways to get exercise in, in a confined setting or even without lots of equipment? Oh, definitely. I mean, uh, I'd always, I'm, I'm a strong believer, uh, I've been in this industry now for about 10 years, so I always think one-on-one training is always going to be the most advantageous way of progressing because with uh, my knowledge, I can really customise what we do to you, specific to your goals, specific to your needs. But I appreciate that, uh, you know, that is a luxury and, you know, it can be quite costly. Um, There's definitely, um, I mean, there are a lot of apps out there. I advise you to check out the 365 program app but I think just trying to adopt daily movement and movement in ways that feel good. If I could try and um, dumb it down and just have people moving on the daily um, without access to equipment, I'd try and break it down into uh, five or six movements. So our body, we want to squat, uh, we want to lunge, we want to push, pull and twist. So if you can try to, you know, get some kind of movement covering those five things, the vast majority of our functional movement um, stems from those five movements. So, you know, it could be 10 squats, 20 lunges, 10 push-ups, 10 pulls, and, you know, 20 twists. We're then moving our body in a way that's going to help with everyday functional movement. What about for people who are managing injuries? What, what, what do you do when you've been benched and you can't do your normal routines well so um in my experience the vast majority of injuries like i said before um are from probably movement inefficiencies so people don't know that they're executing a movement poorly 
Uh, that's why I'd say working with someone is advantageous because I'm going to click straight into that and say, hey, no, do this, do that, do this. Um, yeah, so if you, have a, if you have an injury, try, you can work around that injury. So obviously don't do things that provoke pain. But it's a tricky one with injuries because I tend to work on um, a perceived exertion scale. So if I'm trying to rehab an injury, you kind of want to, you don't want to not use that area. Like we're trying to fix that area. So you, you want to still use it. And like I said before, try and promote blood flow to that area, but kind of work in and around a pain threshold of say three to five out of 10, because you still want to tax the tissue or the area that's injured. Um, and in taxing it, it's got, the body's got to overcompensate to then repair that. So try not to just, you know, create a program where you don't use it at all, but try and still go through movements, um, you know, that aren't super painful, but, you know, a subtle amount of pain. I'd, I'd almost encourage you to work through that. Or come to Asana, come see me. I'll check your movement out. We'll assess it and I'll tell you exactly where to go. I guess that's a good point too, right? Like you want to be talking to your doctor or whoever it is you're working with just to make sure that you're not going to make it worse. Oh, hundred percent. I mean, if you can, if you can afford it, go see in a physio, actually get a diagnosis of what the issue is. That way they can give you rehabilitation exercises that you can supplement with the everyday movement you're trying to incorporate. Are there certain types of activities that are better for general health? Um, you know, as we get older, uh, into our senior, senior years, um, are there certain, um, activities such as in the water, um, or there's a lot more evidence I understand though about intensive uh, training, so shorter bouts, bursts of um, exercise as opposed to sort of longer sessions of exercise? Oh, I'd actually go the other way around. So definitely as you're getting older, um, you need it. One of the biggest things you probably have to consider that people don't is bone density. So uh, weight training is so good to help um, with bone density. So, it, that, you know, our bones are kind of like our muscles in that they need to be overloaded with more weight, um, you know, to get stronger. The bones are kind of the same. So I strongly advise any kind of weight training. I mean, as you get older, um, your body weight could even suffice as far as resistance training. Like your body weight may be enough in the way of, say, like a squat movement. Um, in the way of the intense training, I'd actually go for um, – long, low intensity training rather than the interval type training um, because, you know, we need to appreciate that the muscle, the, the heart is also a muscle and that needs to be trained as well. So I would say um, to, the, to the older population, try and get some resistance training happening and go through those five main movements that I said, you know, squat down to a chair, you know, um, push push-ups on the wall, you know, just those main movements that I mentioned earlier and then um, long, low intensity stuff. So anything over 30 minutes, maintaining nasal breathing. So that's going to improve what's known as your aerobic threshold and that's going to help just with uh, breathing and exercising the heart. One um, area or topic that I've heard you talk about is passive versus active lengthen, lengthening of your muscles in order to avoid injuries. Could you explain that 
for, for our audience? Yeah, this is a big one. I'm really passionate about this. I, I went to a seminar many years ago and when I learned this, it was like a light bulb went off in my head. So basically think of it as when you're just stretching, so when you're, you're using your hands to pull a limb into place, so you're not voluntarily contracting muscle tissue, yeah, you're opening up range. So you're allowing that limb to go through a wider range of motion, right? Mobility would suggest that you're not aiding the limb into a range. You're actually contracting muscle tissue to get the limb to that range, which is suggesting that you're, you've got ownership of that range of motion. So basically look at stretching as uh, acquiring new range and then stretching with muscle contraction would be solidifying that range. So if we're stretching without contracting the muscles in that stretch, you're essentially opening up, opening up more range for your limbs to access without having ownership of that range. So does that make sense? Saxon, no, does that make sense no, to you? You're gonna have to dumb it down for me a whole bunch. So there's there's stretches, yeah. normal stretches you would do, and then stretches under pressure. Is that what we're talking about? Yeah, so you know, if I just think about um, or how can I say it? Yeah, so it makes sense when I say stretching and say using your arms to, to pull a limb into place, right? So when you say pull a limb into place, you mean like pull your leg? Like pull your leg up or down or to, to establish a stretch, yes? Yeah, right. Yeah. So that is flexibility. That is just stretching the tissue. So the tissue is not actually contracting. There's no tension in the muscle, Yeah. So that is giving us access to opening um, more range of motion. Does that make sense? Yes. Yeah. Cool. So mobility, so active range, would mean we don't actually use our hands to pull our leg to a position, to that same position we were doing in the stretch. Right. We just, you know, lift our leg and, and as a result our muscles are contracting to achieve that motion. Sort of unaided. Unaided, yes, good. So the difference, if, if you're able to pull, you know, I, I can't do it without, you can't see me. If you're able to pull your leg into a really wide range, what, what are you imagining? What stretch? No, I get it now. So if you're doing some sort of like yoga stretch or some warm up before running or something like that, and you're, you're using your arms to get your leg to that position. That's... Yeah, because, because you've got assistance to getting to that position. Um, the, the range in which that's happening is going to be wider. Yeah, because it's not natural, right? It's not your leg doing it on its own. Yeah, it's not your leg actually, your muscles working to get to that range. So right. what happens is when you then assess your mobility compared to your flexibility, so you say, all right, muscles, I'm not going to help you get to this, this range. You just got to work to make that movement happen. The vast majority of us will see quite a discrepancy in range from aiding the limb there to actually getting the tissue to get the limb there. And, that's and the, goal, the goal is to increase it unaided. Yeah, the, so the difference in that range, because it's essentially ownership, it's essentially can my muscles contract in that range. So the, the bigger discrepancy between those ranges, that's the more room for injury because in our everyday life, injuries are somewhat inevitable and we're going to twist and access ranges that 
we're, we're, we're able to access due to flexibility, but, uh, you know, we don't have ownership of that range because we haven't trained our muscle to contract there. And how do you decrease the um, difference between yeah. the two? That's just through so, regular yeah. exercise? Yeah, I mean, weight training is great because it's actively lengthening tissue and, and holding a contraction as it lengthens and shortens, so weight training. Um, but also, next time you're stretching, establish a normal stretch, so where, you, where you're, you're aiding a limb to a position. And then right at the end of your stretch, I would say the tissue that you're intending to stretch, try and then tense it. Do you know what I mean? So if I'm doing, say, this stretch... So I'm stretching across here. So I'm just relaxed in this position now. I'm stretching here. So I'd hold this for, say, 90 seconds. And then to get this tissue to contract, I'd have to push my arm this way. So my, these, aren't, these two are essentially fighting forces. Yeah. Yep. And I'd build with the intensity. So I'd go, okay, 20% effort, I'm trying to do this, 40%. Because then I've stretched it. Okay, I'm acquiring new range. And then I've contracted it. So I'm coaching it to learn how to contract it. That makes sense. Yeah. I get, I get it now. Moment? It's quite an important concept, even for us uh, medics, where we, we don't really learn about exercise. We know it's good, but yeah. in terms of actually putting that down as a prescription now for our patients and for our members at Asana, um, it's something That's that a big one. As, a, as a new domain. And I really like that concept of, Passive versus active. So passive is the flexibility. Yeah. Um, it's almost like when we examine, you know, a, a shoulder or a knee, we, we tell patients that it got dead and I'll move it around and I'll twist it around and, and test That's it. That's passive range, yes. That's passive and it's flexible. But if just because you're flexible doesn't mean that uh, you're not vulnerable. So you've got to have good muscle control through that range. So that makes it more active. And that's the mobility that you talk about. Yeah. Good ownership good ownership, good yeah. um, active resistance, then you're less likely to have injuries in those range of, um, of uh, motions. 100%. I mean, I mean, I've met a couple of dancers. They're a really good example, right? Because they're super flexible. But they're so flexible, you know, try, the gap between their flexibility and mobility is crazy. So they're actually got so much room for injury. A lot of people that do yoga as well because a lot of yoga, I'm not saying yoga is bad, but a lot of yoga is just holding a stretch. So you're acquiring new range, but are you solidifying that range? Got it. So, so you should complement it with some weight training or something as well. 100%. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I'm an inherently lazy person. So yeah. I will go through the motions of pretending to stretch, but I wouldn't do the active thing. So now I know I have to do it. Yeah. And it's actually a lot harder. Like if you really gave that 100% trying to go like this, it's kind of like a, a set in the gym. Yeah. Know, 30 seconds of activity, yeah. We, uh, we created this podcast, didn't we, Sax, because we're the middle-aged men that don't uh, live up to healthy habits. We've done yeah. a lot of these podcasts. So it's work in progress, I would say. We're, we're, we're moving in the right direction, but still work in progress. Time think- poor and um, lazy. It's a bad <laughs> <comment. laughs> Everybody's got to start. Um, three... Three last um, tips to leave our listeners with. What would you wish everyone could do before they came to see you? What do I wish everyone could do? Okay. I'm heaps big on daily movement. So try and we'll try and move or have allocated activity five times a week. Ten minutes, start there if you need to. 
Um, the second thing would actually be sleep. Like sleep, people think, oh, yeah, nutrition, exercise. I'd say it's a triangle. We need to hone in on our sleep, establish um, a sleep regime, uh, go to bed at the same time, wake up at the same time, uh, you know, establish it to a point where you don't necessarily need an alarm clock to wake up. Um, and the third thing on a nutri from a nutrition standpoint, like particularly the ageing population, eat more protein. Eat more protein. Helps with muscle mass and it also um, helps with fat loss. Uh, you know, it, it's called the thermic effect of feeding. So if we had like one gram of protein uh, compared to, uh, say, one gram of carbs or one gram of fat, the actual process of breaking it down and absorbing uh it expends more calories compared to that of carbs and fat, which is why often when you're on a weight loss journey, protein is so high. That would be the three things. Fabulous. Thank you so much, Lou. And look forward to seeing you in the clinic and helping more of our uh, members in, in, at Asana. Great. Come see me. Thanks, Lou. No worries. Thanks, Saxon. Thank you.